0: Thank you, Bernard. Thank you, Nathan. I do have a burning question, and my wife and I were talking about it. Uh, we know that you have the staff shirts. How many do they give you to wear? Like, like one? Two? Six? Well, I don't know, because, like, you're wearing them every day. And I'm like, are we doing laundry every day? Or are we, like, you know, once a week? I don't know. But, so at least two? That's good. Sometimes, good, good to know. Um, Well, they do accumulate, right? Okay, Uh, well, um, uh, thanks for joining us tonight. We're gonna complete chapter three. Um, Last night we talked through, but before we get there, I have a resource I just want to show you. It's about a a five-minute video. You might be familiar with the Ministry Bible Project. Um, I I find the men and women at Bible Project to be trustworthy. Um, They really help me understand context uh, to the scriptures that we read. And um, so maybe this is by way of review. We've been studying uh, Proverbs, wisdom literature, how to study the Proverbs. And again, I told you, spoiler alert, we're not going to make it all the way through Proverbs this week. Uh, but hopefully we're learning skills to uh, to study the book. I'd like to show this video that they uh, illustrate to explain this book. Proverbs fits within the wisdom literature, Um, And while there's some uh, discussion over which books we would consider part of the wisdom literature, for sure it's Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job, and how Proverbs fits in there. And so we'll watch this video, and I just want to remind, because I showed this video with our church uh, a few months ago, and you know, we'll we'll see that wisdom is portrayed as a woman, and and again, we understand why because we've read yesterday and a couple times before where uh, wisdom is personified. Uh, we call her Lady Wisdom or Woman Wisdom, and so that's why uh, you'll see that imagery there. But. Nolan, would you um, press play? And again, all these resources are free, and um, anytime I read a book of the Bible or start a new book, I usually go back and watch their seven or eight minute video that gives the whole context illustrated to the book, which helps me understand better uh, what I'm reading. So um, yeah, let's play this video. And we're not going to touch Ecclesiastes this week at all, but you can find those there under the Wisdom Literature portion at BibleProject, I think it's .com, .com, great, Uh, they're all free. Um, but so again, just a bit of, of context there. Um, and so we began last night in Proverbs 3 and made it about halfway through as we learned about um, commands, uh, wise commands, and then the benefits of those. We talked about straight paths, a good name um, that come uh, that there is security and that wisdom is a safeguard. Um, and that God, one way that God pr- uh, produces safety and security in our life is by transforming our own character that we have discretion to make better choices. And that brings protection uh, as we grow. And we'll, we'll learn a bit more of the benefits of wisdom. And then a few specific things where uh, we drop down specifically to avoid, um, where, where wisdom comes into practical um play so let's uh pray and if you would if you're willing to join me in this prayer uh, you can say this after me to god god would you teach us from your word tonight amen so we're going to pick it up we ended last night in proverbs three twenty. so we'll be in proverbs 3 um verse 21 and we'll make our way to verse 35 Uh, And so here, I'll just read uh, verse 21 and 22. Uh, My son, again, it's a father speaking to his son. My son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. Verse 22, and they will be life for your soul and adornment for your neck. Uh, Again, the father is urging his son, um, urging, uh, again, it applies to his daughter as well, Keep your eyes on the wisdom of God. Preserve or guard sound wisdom and discretion. They are of utmost importance. For God's wisdom will be life to you, good life for your soul. There is blessing. We learned that last night. Uh, Oh, the joys of those who cling to God's wisdom. Uh, The next verses describe the good life as one that is secure and safe and confident and filled with good sleep. Sleep is a factor that we're going to learn about here. Uh, Verse 23 through 26. Father says to his son, then if you do this, if you preserve God's wisdom, then you will walk on your way securely. I'm sorry, I need to... Give you a thank you. Thank you, Nolan. You caught me up on there. Then you will walk on your way securely, and your foot will not stumble. Verse 24, if you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Verse 25, do not be afraid of sudden terror or the ruin uh, of ruin, uh, of the wicked when it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. So we see here, even in, in verse 23 and 24, um, that it references safety when you walk and when you uh, lie down, or when you walk or when you sleep. They call this—I think it's marismas. It's when you you uh, use the extremes. Um, you know, you might say like north and south and east and west. You're not just talking about those four points. You're talking about everything in between. So he says here that God will protect you. There will be safety when you walk and when you sleep, and and, and that is around-the-clock security in your life as you walk in the ways of the Lord. Uh, Tremper Longman says that we are most vulnerable uh, when we lie down to sleep. Um, He says this, when people sleep, their guard is down. They are more open to attack and the mind can wander to all the problems of the day and the anticipated threats of the future. Sometimes I find myself waking up in the middle of the night just with what I feel to be a a weight or or something that is causing me anxiety. Or even in the morning, waking up from sleep, but just this aspect of the weight of the day. And yet God promises, what we learn is that those, a, a reward, a benefit of wisdom is good sleep. God's word says that even when you're in your most vulnerable state, When you lie down, you will not be afraid. You do not need to be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet, free of real dangers, free of nightmares, free of the anxiety that disrupts our rest. And you can sleep in peace because you have not done the foolish things in your day that cause you to worry because you have a clear conscience. Never underestimate the value of a clear conscience. Um, My wife and I were talking today about our our son when he was in junior high. This is when we were in Santa Cruz. And we noticed he was really anxious throughout the day. He kept looking out the front window um, for for someone or, or something to come up. He was just really worried. And it took him about a week to let us know what was going on. And he confessed to us that he had prank called McDonald's. He had made a prank call to McDonald's, something silly. And then he started worrying that the police were going to trace his phone and come. And so he was looking out the window because he thought the police were going to show up any day because what he had done was wrong. And, uh, and, and you just saw this, this anxiety upon him. Um, we talked about it, and uh, so I had him, much to his dismay, I had him write a letter uh, to the uh, manager at McDonald's, and he didn't want to do it. He wrote it. I drove him down there. He was, like, kicking against it, didn't want to do it. He comes in there. I asked for the manager, told the manager it was going on. manager gave me a little smile, and, and, and my son handed him the letter. And about five minutes later, uh, as we were driving home, I just tell you, my son was just free. <laughs> there was just like, you know, and, and I think it was so good. And I think you, you understand that. You know that when we've, we've done something crooked, um, there's just anxiety that comes with that. But when we lean upon the ways of the Lord, uh, while, you know, tragedies happen and difficulties come, we know uh, that, that we are secure, that we are walking and confident with God. Sweet sleep is the fruit of faith in God and obedience to him. Let me me reread the comfort of verses 25 and 26 over you. As the father speaking to the son, hear, hear these words to you. Do not be afraid of sudden terror. Don't fear bad news. How many of us, we fear bad news is gonna happen. We fear things that will never come about. We don't need to fear those things. Don't fear the or or the ruin or the storm of the wicked when it comes. Do not be afraid of that. For the Lord will be your confidence. The New International Version says: the Lord will be at your side and will keep your foot from being caught. Sweet sleep is truly a gift of God. And sleep, as you know, is a necessary ingredient for our health and our mental health. And we found that lack of sleep uh, can wreak havoc on our mental well-being. Um, and yet, here's the challenge. Sleep can be elusive. You can't say, oh, great, I'm going to get some sleep tonight. It's not that easy, is it? There are factors. Um, a baby in the house. Uh, maybe a, a physical issues going on. Dietary, dietary problems that, that, that help us. A snoring spouse can, can harm your sleep. Uh, maybe even having to go pee in the middle of the night a couple times. I'll tell you, uh, I'm in that stage right now. Uh, there's A youth pastor, Doug Fields from down south, I love the guy, and he talked about, uh, and I totally identify, he used to call all-nighters. You know, when you're a youth pastor, you do all-nighters, right? You stay up all night. But now at my age, an all-nighter is when you don't have to get up in the middle of the night to go pee. You're like, oh, great, I love all-nighters now. <laughs> maybe I'm the only guy there. When you choose to walk the paths of God's righteousness, according to what is right, according to what is just and what is fair, and listen, we are not on our own. God has given us not only his word to direct us, he has given us his Holy Spirit, that if we walk by the Spirit, the Spirit will always lead us in God's truth, always pointing us to Jesus, empowering us to do what we don't have the strength to do in and of ourselves. We don't grunt out holiness, on our own. It is the Holy Spirit in us as we are, are submissive and we are attuned in walking in the Spirit according to the Word. And as we do, you don't have to fear sudden calamity or ruin, for the Lord is with you and He is your confidence. Again, it's not because there aren't, isn't disaster that's ahead of us in our life, but that we can rest secure. Um, I've been dabbling into what's called bike packing uh, not backpacking but bike packing where you strap your tent and your sleeping bag and your food on your bike and you you go for a couple nights and and a, a couple months ago I went down the coast of California and on my bike and my tent and set up my tent there and a huge storm hit uh, crazy storm this is out by like Eureka California and, and and this like I'm in this tent but I did something smart I'm a cheap skate when it comes to everything I get a used as much as I can. I ride a 1982 Schwinn bicycle that, that uh, you know, was very cheap, but I bought a good tent and I bought a good sleeping bag. And this rain, and I set it up, and I'm in there, and it was just crazy. It's not a flattering picture, but I had to take a video so I could show it to my family of how crazy the storm was going on outside, and yet I tell you, I was dry, and I was warm, and no matter how loud it got, I was was good, and I was at peace, and I think I got a a tight 12 hours that night. I had to go to bed early because of the storm. And I picture our life as that as well, that there is real danger and there's stuff around us. But as we walk according to the Lord, he is our covering and he is with us and we can sleep even in the midst of the storm. I was 18 years old when I had my first experience on how my choices and actions in the day brought peace of mind at night. Um, that's, uh, I'm not on the far right. I'm the second from the right, uh, there, uh, this is Mexico. I was 18 years old. Oh, I have a, I have a little laser here, don't I? Yeah, this guy, Jason's the guy that invited me to that youth group that one day in school said, Hey, you're coming to youth group, right? I'm like, okay, changed my life. I stayed there for 17 years, became the pastor there all because Jason was willing to say, Hey, you're coming to youth group. The power of an invitation can change a person's life. And it did mine. I ended up being on this Mexico trip with uh, a few friends of my youth pastor, and we worked that day, specifically that day, um, we were mixing cement by hand uh, in, in the Mexican heat in Hermosillo, Sonora, Mexico, working alongside missionaries from Operation Mobilization, Dwayne and Margaret Grassman, as they've given their lives to preach the gospel um, and to join the good work that God is doing in Mexico, and we got to join um, the, that work for a week, and we were mixing cement. We were making cement blocks um, that the church was using to add on a pantry to their kitchen, which they would be able to store food to to feed those in need. And, And so that day we worked so hard. I'd never worked that hard in my life before. And it wasn't for my own benefit. And that was new for me as well, to work so hard for the benefit of the church and the people of Mexico. And even though that night we were sleeping on the floor of this family, Olga and her her family, were sleeping on the floor, um, my sleeping bag had never felt so good that night. And as I put my head down on that pillow, it felt so good to rest. And I think there was this, this contentment that I had never experienced. I was 18 years old. Never had I experienced such contentment in my heart and mind as I laid my head on that pillow that night with this thought. I did good work today. I did something today that wasn't for me, but I believe it was for for the the good work that God is doing. And that was contagious. That got me thinking about, well, what am I going to give my life towards? Is this only found on a short-term mission trip in Mexico? Or is it possible to live my life in Southern California with my focus upon the Lord and, and, and the welfare of his people? And that if we expend our energy and we invest our, our, our intellect and our, and our resources, not just for ourselves, but others, and if we walk in the ways of the Lord, that, that sleep will be sweet, that we will be tired, uh, but we will have expended our energy on something worth it. Psalm 20, 127 1, uh, was the, the passage that when I first stepped in to this church that I'm at now, I preached out of this passage. And I want to read it over. It speaks of sleep as well. Psalm 127, 1 and 2. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. Do any of us eat the bread of anxious toil? for he gives to his beloved sleep. He gives to his beloved sleep. It is the gift of God. Uh, This verse, uh, there's an alternate translation is that he gives to his beloved even as they sleep. As much as we try to work and fret and fret, as we uh, trust the Lord and his work in our life, that he gives his beloved sleep. Now, the next five verses, are you guys ready for some do-nots? There's always do's in the Bible. There's also do-nots, and that's a way of teaching us wisdom. Uh, About five practical do-nots that that he's going to lay out, the Father's going to lay out the path of the fool or the wicked, paths that lead away from God's righteousness and paths that lead to sleepless nights. Verse 27 Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come again tomorrow, and I will give it when you have it with you. I read these slowly. I trust that as God's word is open. That God will teach each one of us that, that, that truth from his word may intersect with a specific situation or, or something, issue that you are facing. And so we, we let these words simmer. We wrestle with them. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due. These two do nots are about the sin of Omission. Um, omission, commission are sins that we actively do, but there are sins when we don't do the good that we are supposed to do. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due. Fulfill your obligation if you are able to do so, when it is in your power to do it. If you have power to act, then do it. God does not ask you to give what you don't have, but if you have it and it is in your um, ability, then do it. The word good here means whatever tangible help the situation demands. Whatever that might be. Maybe it's, it's resources. Maybe it's uh, a help uh, to come alongside someone. Maybe it's counsel. Maybe it's a listening ear that you have to give. And notice this, to those to whom it is due, Um, and it means do not, or another in Hebrew, literally it's do not withhold good from its owners, meaning that the good that you have to give, it actually belongs to that person. It is owed to them. And you are stealing in a sense, if you are withholding that good, because they are the owners of that good. And so we are to, to do it. It indicates that your good action belongs to them. They have a right to it and it's owed. Maybe it's a fair wage to those who work under you, you owe that to them. Maybe it's something your neighbor is lacking, a meal or clothing or some sort of help or assistance. This is the heart of God in scripture, all throughout scripture. Look at Exodus 23, four, I put it up here for you. If you meet your enemy's ox or his donkey going astray, how many times does that happen to us every day? Nowhere. Um, If you meet your enemy's ox or donkey going astray, you shall bring it back to him. Uh, someone in my church said, does it matter if I bring it back to him on a plate? <laughs> like, is that okay? No, not on a plate. You bring it back. And this is your enemy's ox. That is the heart of God. Verse 28, do not say to your neighbor, go and come again tomorrow. Come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you when you have it with you then to give. Here is a caution against delaying the good that is owed to your neighbor. Your obligation to do right overrides your own convenience. Deuteronomy 24, 14 through 15. You shall not, and talking about not delaying in the good that you owe others. Verse 14, you shall not oppress a hired worker who is poor and needy, whether he is one of your brothers or one of the sojourners or foreigners who are in your land within your towns. Verse 15, you shall give him his wages on the same day before the sun sets, for he is poor and he counts on it. Lest he cry against you to the Lord and you be guilty of sin. That you would give and pay what what you owe and you would not delay Abraham Cohen in his commentary on Proverbs says this, help which is long on the road is no help at all. Help which is long on the road is no help at all. Um, One way specifically that uh, I apply this in my own life um, is with prayer. You ever have someone say to you, hey, uh, you know, they won't, they won't say this to you, they won't say, hey Trav, um, they might say, hey Trav, would you be praying for me this week? I've got, I've got surgery coming up, or would you be praying for me this week? Because I've got this tough conversation, or I've got a job interview. And it's really easy to say, yeah, I'll be praying for you this week. You know what? I'm a forgetful person. And, and what I've learned to do now is that if that is the good that they are asking, I say, can we pray right now? Can I? There's nothing waiting that I'm going to pray for you later. Yes, I will do my best to remember and write that down. But but I'm going to pray right now. I have that to give. When someone asks you to be praying for them at some point, why not say, "Can we pray right now?" That's good, right there, and and just to move in there because then I know for sure I will not have forgotten that good uh, to do. And actually, it'll probably help me to remember to pray for them throughout the week. What good have you delayed or put off doing? Act today. What have you put off? I'll do that. I'll get around to it later. One of the biggest fights I had with my brother (laughs) was because I delayed uh, doing the good that I owed him. I was about 17 years old, which would have made him about 21 years old. We were driving in our family station wagon um, uh, to Arizona. To water ski, I was on vacation. My buddy was driving our car. I was in the front seat. My brother, with his girlfriend, who's now his wife, sitting in the back seat. Um, we pull over to get some snacks at some desert highway supermarket, and I see some baseball cards there. And I was a baseball card collector, and so I and, and I didn't have my wallet. I left it in the car. I said, "Mark, uh, would you uh, loan me a dollar fifty so I can buy these baseball cards?" My brother was hesitant because I had a habit of not paying people back. I was very stingy, and so he was kind of hesitant. He's like, Well, are you gonna pay me back? I'm like, Yeah, I'm gonna pay you back. So he gives me the dollar fifty. I buy the baseball cards. I told him, I said, my wallet's in my car, in the car. We get back in the car, we start driving. I don't pay my brother at all. And my brother's starting to stir, starting to get upset. And it's been about an hour, we're on the road. He's like, Trav, hey, hey, do you have that dollar fifty? I'm like, Mark, it's $1.50, and I, we start getting this argument, you know, and I start defending myself. Mark, it's just $1.50. He's all, but Trav, he said, you said you would, and I remember him saying this, Trav, it's the principle. It's the principle. He said that about five times, you know, and, and I said, fine, Mark. I'm like, it's, it's in my wallet. I'm sitting on it. I don't want to get up, you know, I'm so lazy. He's starting to get angry. He throws a cup of ice at me. It's getting heated in the car right now on this desert highway. Finally, I'm like, okay, fine. And, I'm make, and so I pull out my wallet. I've only got like a dollar in my wallet. So I'm all, here, Mark, I, I, I only have a dollar. Can I owe you 50 cents? My brother says to me, you can throw the money out the window for all I care. So what do you think I did? <laughs> Roll down the window, throw out the dollar. I'm like, great, Mark. I'm all, there you go. I still owe you 50 cents. And I remember that my mom kept change in the ashtray. So I pulled out two quarters, held them up to my brother, rolled down the window, threw them out, I said, now we're good. And that's when my brother took a swing at me. (laughs) I'm I'm thinking, all this stuff, and I must have just, this has been something that my my pattern was. My brother was teaching me something about if you owe some money, pay it back. I never did, I don't think I ever gave him that $1.50 back. Someone said I should probably go pay him back. What's this for? Here's some more do-nots. Do not plan evil against your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you. Do not plan evil. That is a crooked path when you do that. Why would we ever plan evil to an unsuspecting, undeserving person? person, that just ain't going to work out for us. There is no security and there is no good sleep for those of us who plan evil against our neighbor who lives trustingly among us. Verse 30, do not contend with or accuse a man for no reason when he has done you no harm. Don't contend with someone. Don't pick a fight with someone who's done you no harm. And this doesn't prohibit all accusations or confrontations. If there is good reason, then it is appropriate to lodge an accusation. But when we accuse without any evidence, we are picking a fight for no good reason. The father is teaching his son wisdom here. Some of us are just looking for a fight with our our coworkers or, or, or those among us picked a fight with my wife that lasted nearly a year. Um, I, uh, I accused her of losing my, my favorite T-shirt. found a T-shirt in, in a rummage sale. It was amazing. Those are good finds. And uh, it went missing, you know? And, and I blamed her. I'm like, what'd you do with my shirt? She's like, I didn't do anything with it. And, and, and I just sort of picked that fight over and over until about six months later, found that uh, my T-shirt drawer was overstuffed. I never throw any of my T-shirts away. And it had fallen behind the drawer. It was my fault and I would picked that fight always looking to blame someone else. Do not contend with your wife for no reason when she has done you no harm. That's my interpretation. Verse 31, another do not. Do not envy a man of violence and do not choose any of his ways. Do not envy. Do not admire people who are violent why would we support? Why would we imitate? Why would we be subscribers to people who harm the innocent and get rich off of it? Why would we glorify them? Why would we pay for their music? Why would we contribute to the evil that they are doing? Do not envy a man of violence and do not choose any of his ways. Verse 32 and 33 are really connected here. For the devious person is an abomination to the Lord, but the upright are in his confidence. The devious person is an abomination. Those who twist and distort God's wisdom, they are an abomination, meaning that they turn God's stomach. Why would we stand with the devious? Why would we approve and support their actions when God stands against them? but the upright are his confidence. Upright, meaning those who choose to walk the path of that which is good and right and fair. The upright are God's trusted ones. They belong to his inner circle. The upright find themselves in the friendship of the Lord. Verse 33 says, For the Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked. Those who are devious... Those who are men of violence, the Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but, his, but he blesses the dwelling or the home of the righteous. Those who walk crooked paths will bring a curse not only upon themselves, but upon their household. And those who cling to God's paths bring a blessing not only upon themselves, but upon those who are near to them. Now, to be clear, your kids are not guilty of your sins. They are not guilty of your sins, but your foolish actions affect your whole household. That's why sin is serious. It's not just affecting you. It's not just crushing you. It's crushing uh, your family and things that they will have to bear up under because of our foolish decisions. And in the same way, your kids Your family, your your employees will be blessed by your righteous decisions. When you choose the path of righteousness, you you also provide this covering and this blessing upon others. And the Lord blesses the, the house of the upright, but he curses the house of the wicked. God hates sin sin is absurd for us to choose to go and do what is right in our own eyes when God has clearly laid out for us his paths of righteousness verse 34 and 35 last two verses in our in our chapter the lord uh, toward the scorners he is scornful or god mocks the mockers but to the humble he gives favor or he gives grace And the wise will inherit honor, but fools get disgrace. And so you get to choose, and I get to choose. Do I choose honor, or do I choose disgrace? The Lord scorns toward the scorners. He is scornful. But God gives favor to the humble this verse here in Proverbs three thirty four is quoted in the book of James. Uh, James 4, it is quoted in the book of Peter in 1 Peter 5. I'll read that to you. In 1 Peter 5, he says, God opposes the proud or he scorns the scorners. He mocks the mockers. God is, opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble humble yourselves therefore under god's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time to fear the lord is to humble yourself to humble yourself to acknowledge your sin to trust christ as your only hope for salvation the method in which God is provided for salvation. It, it is the first step of humility when we repent. And then that is a continual repentance, a continual humbling ourselves to walk in the ways of the Lord. Humble yourself under God's mighty hand. Proud mockers, scornful fools despise the wisdom of God and they go their own path and the wicked do what is right in their own eyes and so therefore they have removed themselves from under God's mighty hand. But to fear the Lord, to worship him and submit to him is to place yourself humbly under God's mighty hand. And there is protection here to live daily as we humble ourselves before the Lord under his mighty hand. We talk about this protection and this safety and this confidence and this sweet sleep is found in those who orient themselves toward the ways of the Lord. And when we step off the path, as we do and as I do, we are quick to confess it. To confess means to agree, to say the same thing uh, with God, to say, God, I have stepped out of bounds. God, will you forgive me? And and will you you help me against that action that we continue to humble ourselves and there is safety and there is security and there's confidence that we can live even as there's a storm around us. And even as life rages and, 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 and thunder crashes and storms pound, those who have humbled themselves under God's mighty hand, they walk securely and they sleep well. Their sleep is sweet because God is their confidence. Because God is at their side. Now listen, when I say God is at their side, I don't necessarily mean that God is on your side. Uh, It is about where we posture ourselves. I think some of us feel that if, if we are a Christian, then we can do whatever we want. And God chases us with his mighty hand. No, we can walk outside of God's wisdom and we will incur those consequences. But when we humble ourselves, we are the ones that move, that we humble ourselves under God's wisdom and there's safety and there's protection and my prayer is that my kids and that my future grandkids would humble themselves under God's mighty hand that they would walk in confidence that they would sleep sweetly as they walk in the ways of the Lord Proverbs 10:9 I'll close with this Whoever walks in integrity walks securely but he who makes his ways crooked will be found out. I think my son got a taste of this in junior high. And those, just that, that, that prank call uh, just gave him no rest, it gave him anxiety, and yet there, there is peace. And again, we say this over and over, it doesn't mean that if you walk in God's ways that you don't experience tragedy or hurt or or loss or grief. Of course we do. But yet we are, we are confident that we are in God's confidence as we walk through. And I would rather walk through tragedy at the Lord's side and under his mighty hand than walk through tragedy apart from him and even bring on uh, consequences because of my own foolish choices. And, and this is uh, the... the the urging, you hear the father just urging his son, which way will you choose? Will you read the rest of Proverbs? Will you open your ear to it? And that's what Proverbs one through nine is doing is, is trying to convince his son to read the rest of the book, to listen to what is, is contained in it. And, and I'm gonna pray for us. And, and tomorrow night, I'm gonna jump to, to Proverbs five. It'll be our last night together. Probably my favorite chapter in, in not just Proverbs, but maybe in the whole Bible. where where God lays out his good plan of romance. And this is for the married, those that have been long time married. This is for the single, where where God uh, highly exalts what his plan is. And and the father warns his son against the dangers of stepping outside of God's good command when it comes to love and romance. And I don't think we hear this enough. I think we need to hear it young. We need to hear it over and over. I'm gonna pray for us uh, tonight. Father, we hear hear the benefits of walking in your ways, God. We all understand what it's like, the the anxiety that comes when we've been taking crooked paths. And Father, even today is a day of, of repentance. Today is a day of turning back to you, Father. I pray that we would embrace, that we would find your wisdom and knowledge to be pleasant to our soul, that we would seek it, that we would live it, that we would teach it, Lord. And I pray specifically right now over us that when we lie down, Father, may we not be afraid. For each one of us in here, when we lie down, may our sleep be sweet. May we have no fear of sudden disaster. May we have no fear of the ruin that overtakes the wicked. For Lord, you are our confidence and you are at our side.